Hello and welcome to Power Pros Podcast, episode 176. I'm your host, the Hoff, Chris Hoffman, and with me is this week's special guest co-host, CJ, Chris Johnston. Thank you for having me, Chris, uh, and taking me away from Mario Maker to talk about <laughs> Nintendo stuff. Yes, my pleasure. I'm glad to have you here. Yeah, there's going to be plenty to talk about this week, including, as you mentioned, Super Mario Maker 2, as well as plenty of other new releases, as well as some news, and then this week's big topic, which is going to be all about Game Boy games and other handheld titles we would like to see make their way to Nintendo Switch. Cannot wait to talk about that. However, before we do that, let us start by talking about the aforementioned Super Mario Maker 2. This game just came out a few days ago as we record this, and I jumped into the game as soon as I possibly could. But let me tell you, CJ, I am kind of overwhelmed playing this game. There's just so much stuff to do. It is absolutely jam-packed with content. It's almost unbelievable. There's a story mode, there's tutorials, there's online sharing, and then, of course, there's the creation mode, which just has, you know, so many possibilities. You can choose from five game styles. Super Mario Brothers, Mario 3, Mario World, New Super Mario Brothers, Super Mario 3D World. Then you have the ten different themes, ground, underground, underwater, desert, snow, sky, forest, ghost house, airship, castle. And then there are well over a hundred parts you can place, including terrain and items and obstacles and enemies. And that doesn't even get into some of the optional stuff. You know, you can even set different objectives for when you're trying to clear the level, you know, get a certain number of coins, defeat a certain number of enemies, you know, never touch the ground once you've jumped. It's just, you know, crazy how much stuff they have packed into Super Mario Maker 2. I completely agree. I am overwhelmed as well. Whenever I sit down to make a level, I am spoiled for choice. I just don't know what I should choose first, what style I should choose, what game style, and all that. Yep, I'm in the same boat. It's good, though. <laughs> I'm not complaining. This is not a complaint whatsoever. Yeah, out of all the issues we could have with the game, this is probably one of the best ones to have to <laughs> focus on. It's too much Mario. Not a bad thing. Yeah, there is lots of great stuff in here and for a lot of what i've been doing with the game it's just been playing through the story mode because the story mode is pretty darn fun not only is it interesting because you know this idea of rebuilding peach's castle is kind of different and cool and entertaining but it does really give you a lot of opportunities to see what kinds of things you can do with the game and so there are some levels that are just pure platforming challenges there are some that are very puzzle focused there are some that are more methodically paced, almost, you know, like a little bit of a survival horror mixed with a platformer. It just really gives you a good view into what the developers are capable of doing and what you in turn can do as a developer. That's true. And there are some things in the story mode that aren't available to creators, like a couple of the levels in the story mode have you carry a stone to the exit. Oh yeah, I played that one. The level, and that is not uh, available to creators yet. So I'm hoping hmm, that uh, some that. of those things will migrate uh, over time, and as people get more used to the creation tools, and Nintendo gets more used to sorting levels into the various difficulty piles that they have. So uh, we'll see. But I'm, it's a very promising start for sure. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. So I'm probably, you know, 28% through story mode. Uh. And then after that, I have gone online. I download a few levels. I download one of your levels. It was uh, full of cheap, cheap, cheaps. Indeed. <laughs> one of my favorite Mario enemies. Of course. <laughs> Those guys are bastards. They are. 
That's <laughs> true. I don't know if you found this in the original Super Mario Maker, but when I make levels, I always have this thing right towards the end where I'm not sure if I placed enough enemies. Mm. Because, you know, working on a level, you see the difficulty in a very different way from somebody who's just playing it fresh. So I always think my levels are too easy. And then, of course, uh, once they're published and people play them and I see the completion rate is like 11%, it's like, <laughs> oh, uh, maybe this is not as easy as I thought it was. <laughs> well, for your first point, yes, I do tend to think that. I have not published any levels myself, but I was working on one level and I feel like I'm close to completion, but I am thinking about like, no, there needs to be more stuff. There needs to be more enemies. So yep. I totally understand where you're coming from. But uh, yeah, out of all the levels I have played, I think yours was probably the most difficult from a pure platforming perspective. I mean, I played a lot of them that are more difficult from a puzzle perspective. It's like, oh, I'll keep dying over and over again at a certain point until I figure out, oh, this is exactly what you have to do at this spot here. But with yours, it was just like really intense platforming and just, you know, the way those cheap cheeps move, it's a really good sense of risk versus reward, whether, oh, do I try to actually, you know, kill these guys off or do I try to stay away and stay safe? But if you don't kill them off, then you're overwhelmed. And so, you know, dealing with that and those slowly scrolling screen and the moving platforms, it comes together really, really well, I thought. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, I, I love the cheap, cheap enemies. Uh, moving platforms are always fun to play around with and kind of draw on the screen. And, of course, then it has to be an auto-scrolling level. You can't let people just take their time with, with moving platforms. <laughs> so had to uh, amp it up that way. Well, you are uh, very welcome for uh, all of the deaths you caused me on the way <laughs> to uh, completing that level. Thank you very much for playing, yes. <laughs> I've actually made, uh, at this point, three published three stages uh one of them i created cooperatively with my daughter in mario maker 2 they have this mode where you can detach the joy cons and uh turn them horizontally and then Mm -hmm. create cooperatively so both players actually have the availability of the entire tool set although i think the mario the first player has a little bit more control over some of the interface but that was really fun too because she would place enemies and i would place coins and platforms and it was really fun to create a level together at the same time <laughs> cool i'm glad to hear that uh, mode works out for you i haven't had a chance to try that out myself yet but it's certainly an appreciated and cool addition to the game so yeah i'm glad to hear that it's well done yeah, and my daughter has her own copy of Mario Maker as well, so she is creating stages under her own creator ID, and then I'm, uh, she basically like challenges me to try them <laughs> as soon as she's uh-huh. done, and I've been nice, doing the nice. same. I've been having her play my levels, and she's been doing really well, and she's not a Mario pro, so um, been really impressed with what she's put out, and it usually involves her levels. Usually involve Cat Mario. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> some, you know, climbing up ledges and things like that. Uh, she's a really big fan of the cat suit. So mm, nice, nice. But they're often very short levels, just with a few platforms and then the flagpole. <laughs> the one level that I was working on, I wanted to be a level where you would jump into the Koopa car and then like race away from this rushing lava. Mm. But I discovered as I was making this level that because it takes some time for the Koopa car to rev up, it was actually more effective to just ignore the car and just start sprinting around. Mm. And so I had to give up on that idea, but uh, maybe I'll revisit it in the future. Yeah, I don't know how uh, your creation process usually goes. For me, 
I'll stare at the canvas and maybe come up with like one or two ideas and start sketching things out. And I'll have maybe like two or three levels started and saved in the course bot and then like hit them back up as I come up with ideas. I normally don't have like an overarching theme to anything. I sort of draw until I think the level is complete or sort of run its course, so to speak. Mm-hmm. What other ideas have you been focusing on with your created levels? I really want to do something with the on-off switch. I don't know what that will be yet, but I've seen some really interesting uses for it. So I'm kind of excited to hop into that as well as doing vertical levels. You know, that's a thing now and I'm really curious to start designing vertically. I've Traditionally in Mario Maker 1 and on the 3DS, I did a lot of just horizontal scrolling levels. So I'm going to think differently, think vertically this time, I Mm -hmm. think. Yeah, I think I'm interested in trying out some vertical stuff too. Again, I don't know why I'm so obsessed with Mario being chased by lava. I was thinking (laughs) that would be another good thing to do a vertical level and the lava's coming up and you got to just, you know, make your way up to the end as quickly as possible before the worst happens. So I'm going to try to jump on that sometime in the near future yeah i've been really impressed with the levels that have come through in like the endless mode because you can choose to play endless and it has four different difficulty levels for you to try Mm -hmm. and the levels that come up in the rotation are actually pretty good like the easy normal levels that i've played are categorized well and they are not the sort of kaizo mario levels that are meant to torture people (laughs) that's good but those of course are available in the expert and super expert difficulties that nintendo has in this game i generally stay away from those (laughs) yeah that was kind of the problem that the first game had is that some of the unlockables were hidden behind the hardest difficulties and it's like oh if you play these you're just gonna get garbage levels and that was something i was really hoping they would fix for that Uh, i don't think there's any unlockables behind them this time at least but uh interesting to hear they haven't quite corrected the problem yet yeah Uh, Speaking of which, though, are there any annoyances or issues that you've had with the game so far? No, uh, I haven't had any problems. You know, I've done a lot of level design in both handheld and docked mode, and the Mm -hmm. control is slightly different in handheld. The game requires you to use the touchscreen a lot more. Right, right. And for me, that's been a fine transition. I haven't really uh, struggled with that, and then I've done a bunch of creation docked as well so i really haven't had much uh, trouble transitioning from one to the other yeah okay that's cool to hear yeah for me personally i thought that accessing the palette was just a little bit less intuitive than i was going to expect and uh, as i mentioned to you before we started recording i was a little bit stumped about how i could test my level straight from the beginning every time all right instead of just appearing right at the current screen but you told me oh i have to hold down the select button the minus button and that'll let me always start from the beginning every time so now that i know that that should speed up the process quite a bit i think yeah and i think the tutorials that they have in the game, the Yamamura Dojo, are really quite helpful in giving you ideas and making you think about how to balance the level fairly so that it's accessible for all players. Yeah, I mean, it is great they have so many tutorials in there. I do wish there were maybe some more interactive tutorials, like, you know, sort of giving you missions where you had to complete a certain objective using the tools in the maker mode. Mm. I think that would have been, you know, perhaps a nice inclusion to help people learn the ropes a little bit more. But uh, yeah, I mean, they do go into quite a bit of detail about a lot of topics, and that's great. They really do. One of the things that they haven't fixed is, so uh, I was mentioning before, like I'm never sure about the difficulty of my levels, and I always seem to 
put in too many enemies, but re-uploading and fixing a course is still a little bit of a kludgy process because you do have uh. to delete it and then re-upload. There's no way to just revise an existing level that way without deleting it. Uh, so you lose all of your likes and all of your uh, SEO juice or whatever. That's right. <laughs> if there is such a thing in Mario Maker. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> but there are like a couple things that people pointed out. And I do look at the little like death map mm -hmm. that uh, the game gives you for your levels. Oh, yes. So to see like what are the trouble spots or areas where people died a whole bunch. And it would be great to be able to revise that and just re-upload it. Or even, you know, they have that death map, but it would also be fun to see a heat map for your level as well, because there are, I really like to place secret question mark blocks in my level, mm -hmm. but I never know if people actually find them. Oh yeah, it's a good point. And in one of the levels that I did, I kind of remade Super Mario Bros. 3 1 1 from memory and kind of like remixed some things and added some secret areas and i have no idea if people found them because hmm, i don't know the heat map the heat map is only on deaths so but if one person died in this room then i see okay one person saw it but i don't know how many others found it mm -hmm. well i have not tried that over i will have to give to spin after we are done recording excellent find the secret room <laughs> yeah, yes. for sure. But yeah, you know, speaking of secrets, just, I mean, this game is kind of chock full of them, just in terms of what you can do with the game. Like, so much of this stuff is sort of hidden. Like, oh, if I click on this enemy, I can get a different enemy, or I can make him do something I wasn't expecting. And, like, that's where I think that some in-depth, playable tutorials would really help, because there are just, you know, so many things that are kind of unexpected. Like, you can only have, you know, certain enemy types. When you're using certain game styles, you know, you can only have the lava in the castle stage. You can only have the water in the forest stage. And sometimes it can be tricky figuring out, you know, what abilities you can sort of mix and match. Like, you mm. know, you still have those slopes in Super Mario Brothers 1, but you can actually slide down the slopes like you would expect you could in the other Mario games. True. So just come to terms with some of those nuances. You know, there is a bit of a learning curve there, I guess. Yeah, definitely. And I have been playing around with some of the new styles because, you know, some of the level styles, like the desert, for instance, was not in Super Mario Bros. 1, but that style mm -hmm. is available. Right. So I really enjoy playing around with those sort of new options and also hearing the new music from Koji Kondo that was oh, yeah. created for those new areas. Yeah, sometimes I've just been turning that on, just listening to it in the background while I'm doing other stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, that is all really great to have in there. Definitely. But yeah, I mean, I think you could just spend like, you know, dozens of hours just fooling around without like making any progress or getting anywhere, just playing with the tool set. There's just so much here. Like Definitely. we were saying earlier, it is, you know, almost overwhelming. And that's a great problem to have. It's true. I'm about 63% through story mode. Mm -hmm. And so I've seen a lot of stuff in that. And there are some really cool unlockable customizations for your maker avatar ah, yes. that come out of that which is fun to see and the, the story mode itself is definitely worth playing you know the writing is fun and funny and what's up with that disco frog that guy's kind of creeping me out <laughs> i know <laughs> that was great i loved that <laughs> it's the weirdest thing i've ever seen in a mario game that says a lot <laughs> yep yep and I know, like, before the game came out, a lot of people were missing Amiibo support mm -hmm. and the Mystery Mushrooms. Yeah, I do wish that were still in there. I do wish that was still in there, too, but there's a lot in this game. and There I'm... is, there is. 
I mean, it's easy to say, oh, I wish that there were more costumes. I wish that there was Amiibo support. When I saw that frog, I was kind of like, oh, I kind of wish that the frog costume from Mario 3 was in here. And then yep. I kind of forgot about because we have, you know, a hundred other things to pick from. That's true. I'm hopeful, though, that, you know, like the original Super Mario Maker on Wii U, that Nintendo will keep Mario Maker 2 updated with new stuff and not just like a new level type, like the Super Mario 3D World style, but, Mm -hmm. you know, adding different options, like you mentioned, the frog suit, that would be really cool. And just, you know, adding more things for creators to play around with. Yeah, definitely. There's a nice blank space there right next to Super Mario 3D World, and it really feels like something else should be there. So I'm still kind of hoping that's coming down the pipe. But even when you're talking more traditional styles, I think like a black and white Super Mario Land type aesthetic would be really, really cool to have. So, Well, have you been spoiled on the secrets in story mode yet on that? Uh, I guess I have not. There are some Super Mario Land related things that unlock for you okay then as you make your way through the story mode all right well i will say no more then i will look forward to that yeah yeah i mean as much as i could nitpick little things and say oh i wish there was a frog so i wish there was a super mario land aesthetic i mean what's here is probably when it comes right down to it the greatest creativity software ever made completely yeah i think so many gamers they know mario right (laughs) so indeed you know more than any other game that lets you create levels this to me is just like i can go in and noodle around with the tools and come up with something interesting like i i feel so familiar with the tools already it's kind of weird it's like opening up photoshop and just immediately being familiar with all the tools and iconography that's in there because it's you know 30 plus years of of (laughs) mario so we we know it all well i guess that's true i mean making a Mario level, you know, that's not hard. But making a great Mario level, that takes some skill. So, uh, you know, I certainly appreciate everyone who's been going online and posting these great levels because there is just a ton of awesome stuff out there. Yes, there absolutely is. And there's also, you know, a bunch of levels that are huge gauntlets of fireballs and <laughs> enemies and all of the bosses thrown at you immediately. But uh, I kind of appreciate those less, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate those less. But the lists that Nintendo has for popular and the new and upcoming, those are usually pretty good. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pleased with that. Yeah, overall, this game is pretty much fantastic. If you like Mario, if you like the first Mario Maker, if you have any inclination to be creative at all, yeah, this certainly scratches pretty much every itch I could imagine. Yes, I would say even if you don't plan on creating levels yourself, just the levels in story mode and playing through other folks' stages is worth the price of admission for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a very good point. I mean, ultimately, I think my biggest complaint about this game is going to be I just don't have as much time to spend with it as I would like. Nintendo has laid out this entire feast, and I feel like I've only been sampling the appetizers so far, you know? Completely. But I think listeners should tweet the show and share their levels with you to play through. Oh, yeah. That has been a lot of fun, too, like playing other people's stages and the listeners of the Player One podcast are creating levels and I'm playing through those. And that's just been a complete joy to have, like, a community of people making stages and you can favorite creators so you can follow all their levels that they create. It's a really nice software suite for sure. Yep. Absolutely. And if I ever get around to actually, you know, finishing up that uh, level I've been working on and I'm happy with it, perhaps I will finally share that code as well. Absolutely. Can't wait to play it. All right. You'll be the first one to know. (laughs) Anyway, yes, Super Mario Maker 2 living up to our expectations pretty much 100%. 
CJ, anything else you'd like to add before we move on to our next topic? Nope, that pretty much says it all. All right, then. Let us move along to another Switch game that scratches the creativity itch. It's actually a demo. The full game does not come out until July 12th, but I'm talking about Dragon Quest Builders 2, which we have been able to get a sneak preview of on the demo through the eShop. Now, did you play the first Builders game on Switch? I did not play the final game. I played through the demo of that one as well, but I never actually played through the final game. How about you? I did play through the final game. Well, not all the way through. I got to the third chapter and got stuck uh, by, I think, a bug uh, where I couldn't progress anymore. Uh, But I, I did have a lot of fun with it, and my daughter loves the game as well. But nonetheless, you did spend a lot of time with it, so I guess you are very qualified to tell us about the new features in Dragon Quest Builders 2 and how those are stacking up. Well, visually, I think the sequel looks a lot better. Yeah, it's definitely a pretty game if you like these uh, blocky-style graphics. Yep. It also introduces a sort of co-op mechanic, so... Oh, yeah, that's right. You find yourself on an island and uh, with a mysterious uh, second player named Malroth, who is there for some reason. He was not on the pirate ship that you were stranded on at the very beginning of the demo. No, it seems like perhaps he is the reincarnation of evil or something. I don't know. Perhaps. I'm just speculating. (laughs) A lot of the things that he says uh, could be construed that way. Sure. He sounds a little sinister. Yes, just a little bit. I mean, you do end up finding dead bodies on uh, the beach. Which which she seems to enjoy quite a bit. Oh, yep. And that's a little <laughs> bit dark, sure. <laughs> but yeah, it's a different game than the first and uh, requires a little more crafting. Some of the like food making mechanics are different, but they did add a lot of like fun quality of life improvements, like the adding a run mechanic. And originally you couldn't, you just had one run speed. I forgot about that. Which made things a little slow in the traversal department. But of course, Malroth is following you around, and he will also collect items that you might need to build various things. Uh, yep, and clobber enemies for you, too. Shelter. Yeah, he'll, he'll uh, clobber enemies, which is always helpful. Yep, that seems sure. to be his forte, violence. Yes, vi- <laughs> violence, yeah. But yeah, it's a fun demo. It sort of starts off slowly, I thought. It starts you on this pirate ship where they are teaching you some of the beginning mechanics of making things. Yeah, just in the very game. basic crafting and combat and movement and stuff. Very, you don't very basic. Really and start building anything until after you get onto the island. That's true. And the beginning part in the, on the pirate ship is it's a very slow burn. <laughs> it is, it is for sure. <laughs> they have you do so many things and just go back and forth between characters. But after you get onto the island, I think it picks up quite a bit and the little area that you go through in the mountains was really quite fun and yeah, that part was pretty cool while the game doesn't transfer over save progress it does open like a little photo mode in the demo where you can see some of the things other people are making in the demo oh yeah that's right yeah i was kind of surprised that this demo was sort of on the short side compared to the first dragon quest builders i feel like that demo went on for like you know three hours or something true of course your progress in that game did not transfer over either so you know maybe it's uh, for the best but i was kind of expecting this to go on longer but nonetheless i think it does give you a very good feeling of what to expect in the final game and i was definitely enjoying it yeah me too i'm excited also because you can play the game cooperatively that's right and my daughter as i mentioned before she loves dragon quest builders she loved watching me play the first one and played uh, quite a bit herself and because this is a cooperative game i'm sure that we will be playing quite a bit of it co-op all right very cool yeah 
Yeah, a couple things I do want to call out about this demo. I really, really like the writing. I thought that was top-notch and uh, something that was really, really well done about it. On the other hand, the load times mm. were really, really bad, and that font is really, really tiny. That font is so tiny. It, it's smaller than the first builders. <laughs> really? Yeah. Crazy. I was playing in docked mode, and I was like, I can't even read this. <laughs> like, I have to get yeah, I was playing to the on the screen. TV, and I almost had to squint. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I kind of thought maybe this is something just for the demo and it'll be fixed by the time it comes out. But Builders 2 has been out in Japan for six months. So I don't Mm. know that we'll get a fix to that. No, but I certainly hope the load times are fixed because that initial boot up is like a minute or more or something. It's just crazy. It is. It is really long. And that would be nice to see that fixed as well. But during the gameplay, I didn't really notice any long loads after that point. That's true. That's true. Once you get in there, it's pretty much smooth sailing, it seems. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know if I'm going to pick up the final game, but I did enjoy what I played. You know, if I'm going to you know do something to get my maker on, I'm probably going to stick with Mario Maker 2 instead. But, uh, you know, if I have the time of the world, I would love to try more Dragon Quest Builders 2. Yes, I am a day one purchaser. In fact, I've already used a Nintendo Switch Online voucher to uh-huh. get Dragon Quest Builders 2, as well as Super Mario Maker. And I am very much looking forward to it. There's some pre-order bonuses, some little things. It's, oh, okay. it's nothing It's nothing big, really. And then there's also some uh, DLC that they have already up on the eShop. So there's a season pass as well as some DLC packs uh, that you can get for more stuff to use to build your own creations in, uh, I think, in the separate creator mode. But it looks pretty cool. So I'm very much looking forward to playing through the game i really liked the setup of the original builders you know i'm not really a huge minecraft fan i sort of need more yep, with you there direction in my mm-hmm. building and yeah, the builders way. certainly does that so uh this is much more my speed okay well you don't have too long to wait to play that final game it comes out very soon on july 12th indeed i am ready to build okay Now, on the other hand, I have been playing another game that came out recently on Switch, and that is Bloodstained, Ritual of the Night. CJ, did you pick this one up? I have not picked this one up. I had heard some impressions on the Switch version that maybe graphically or uh, as far as inputs has a little bit of lag, so I'm trying to see if those things are patched up (laughs) before jumping in, but I am definitely interested in the game, so... Well, yes, I have heard those things too, and I hadn't really heard them before I started playing because I was a Kickstarter backer, and I did get the game as soon as it launched, and so, of course, I wanted to dig in right away, and my first impressions are that it is very, very Castlevania. It feels mm. just like one of those Egamade Castlevania games, and that made me very happy. In fact, it feels a whole lot like Order of Ecclesia, which was the last Castlevania game that Ega made for the DS, but like from a character perspective and a story perspective, it almost could be like the same game. It's got a female main character recovering from some trauma, and the main antagonist is some guy who used to be her friend, and now he's turned evil for some reason. And uh, Shinoa's glyph system in Ecclesia works a lot like the crystal system you have in this game where you kill the enemies and you absorb their powers. And you know, I'm not really complaining that it's so similar in those respects, but it was just something I noticed. And certainly it sells the whole you know, Castlevania vibe to it right away. You know, no question there. And then as far as the action goes, you know, I've only played through the first area, which is all set on a boat. Hmm. 
And, you know, I like the exploration. I like fighting the enemies. I got a whole bunch of weapons. I did get a whip. I got a sword. I got a gun. I got a longer, more powerful sword. You know, I enjoyed uh, getting the powers from the enemies. The music was pretty darn solid. And, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I thought the game looked pretty darn good too, and I did not encounter any long load times or any slowdowns. So just playing through this first area, I was fairly impressed. Yeah, I think a lot of the impressions are more the detail of the graphics. And to me, I've seen video of the Switch version. It looks pretty good to me. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. If I hadn't already seen like PC footage or PS4 footage, I would be plenty happy with the Switch game. I think the input lag, from what I hear, it's something that you get used to. Hmm. If you don't know that it exists, it's fine. Uh, And apparently 505 Games and Iga are looking into patching that up and fixing it for the Switch version. So Right, right. And see, that's the thing, is that everything seemed pretty solid from what I played, but then I saw this email from 505 and Iga saying, oh, we're sorry about all the problems in the Switch version. We're going to fix those right up. I'm like, oh, yeah, there's problems. (laughs) I don't want to keep playing if there's problems. So I pretty much saved the game after I beat the first boss, and I am not planning to go back to it until I hear from them that they have patched the game and fixed it up. But yeah, I mean, so far, so good. If everything were as good as that first area, I wouldn't have any problems at all. I did not experience any, I mean, I wouldn't say input lag. There was a couple of times where I swore I threw out an attack and it just didn't happen. Mm. So maybe that's what they mean by input lag. But I wasn't really sure if that was user error or game error. I guess that's something that could certainly stand to be improved. But uh, yeah, I'm going to, unfortunately, have to put my impressions on hold because if I'm going to experience this game, I want to experience it the best way possible. And apparently that's going to mean waiting for uh, some more work to be done, which is unfortunate. I mean, they must have just, you know, rushed the Switch version out the door or something if, you know, they knew right away, oh, we're going to have to issue these patches. Mm -hmm. So I feel like that's kind of unfortunate. They probably should have held back a little bit. It'll probably be an even better experience soon. But I'm glad to report that I was not miserable from the time (laughs) I spent playing it. You know, I thought it was pretty solid thus far. That's good. Yeah, yeah. I just hope that, uh, you know, once everything comes together, it's able to meet everybody's expectations. And I'm sure they'll address it quickly. It seems like they're right on top of it so not worried yeah yeah it certainly seems that way now cj have you been playing anything else on switch i have there's a little board game release (laughs) asmodee digital announced last year they were bringing a bunch of board games to the switch uh, starting with carcassonne which came out last december oh yes that's right in their original announcement they had a couple of other games but their second release ended up being Catan on switch mm-hmm. which is a digital version of the board game settlers of Catan. and Catan has been on many digital platforms before starting with the xbox 360 back in 2007 oh wow and that's when i originally got hooked on the game <laughs> was that xbox live arcade version but it's been brought to other platforms and mobile and Steam and PC and all that stuff afterwards. So when it was announced that it's coming to the Switch, I was very excited because I love playing Catan, even though I've never played the physical board game. I've only played digital (laughs) versions of it. And I bought it immediately. (laughs) Okay. Well, I've never played the physical version, nor have I ever played any of the digital versions. So uh, tell me, what am I missing out on? What is this game all about? So it starts out with a map that is made up of hexagonal spaces that have different resources on them. There are six resources. Okay. Sheep, wood, 
brick, wheat, and ore. I think I'm forgetting one, maybe. I don't know. But you place your pieces on the hexagonal board on the edges, and you get the resources that those spaces have when the dice comes up with that number. Okay. So the object of the game is to get as many victory points as possible while amassing as many materials to build things as possible. Mm -hmm. And the way that it works is you can trade with other players for resources, or if nobody wants to be friendly to you, you can trade with the bank at a more expensive rate Mm -hmm. and get the resources that you want. But it's a really interesting board game, and the digital version is really a lot of fun, and the Switch version has one of the expansions built into it. There's oh, a, nice. like a Seafarer's expansion yeah. that expands the game. Not, I know you love Seafarer. Exactly. Not only from one island, but you also can build boats and go across the water to new islands and things. And there's also a campaign mode, which offers different challenges in and of itself and different rule sets and up to three difficulty levels in each one. So there's like a lot of replayability there. And they also also offer a DLC, Cities and Knights, which is the latest Hmm. expansion to the board game. So you can get that and get the full Catan experience. And it also can be played online with other players. And I've done that a couple of times as well and had a lot of fun there. It's just a really fun game. Each game takes quite a while. It can be like a 45-minute game. (laughs) Okay. That's not too bad. So it's not quick, but... It's not worse than Mario Party, really. Indeed. Indeed. But it is a lot of fun. I'm having fun with it. It does have a couple of hiccups, a couple of performance hiccups, but I'm hopeful that Asmodee will will fix those up. But I'm having a blast with it. I play uh, both online and then just against the computer in the scenario mode and uh, enjoy it quite a bit. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's one that has not really been on my radar, so it is great to have you on the show to give your impressions of that one. Absolutely. And if any fan of the board game will definitely enjoy it, although it does not have uh, local multiplayer, since uh, all of the power-ups are like card-based, all the resources are cards that you need to have in your hand and hidden from other players, there's no way to have like couch co-op or couch multiplayer experience in the game without showing your cards to everybody. So it is single-player and then multiplayer online. Okay, well, I guess that's definitely something to keep in mind, huh? Yep. All right. Well, that takes care of our game impressions. Why don't we move along to a little bit of news? And the first item in the news I want to discuss this week is Nintendo's announcement that Layton's Mystery Journey, Catriel and the Millionaire's Conspiracy, is coming to North American Switch Systems on November 8th. This is pretty much the seventh and most recent mainline Professor Layton title. I mean, if you can even call it that, considering the Professor isn't really in it. It was previously released on the 3DS, and it's been out in Japan for several months now. But uh, yeah, it's going to be coming to North America. Any thoughts on this one, CJ? I'm interested in playing it, because the 3DS game came out after the Switch came out, at which point I stopped playing 3DS games. (laughs) Uh (laughs) or really buying any new 3ds games so Mm. i'm a fan of the latent series and i've not played this so i think i might give this one a shot Hmm. interesting interesting well let me give you a little word of warning Mm -hmm. this is in my opinion by far the worst latent game oh no Catriel, his daughter the main character she is no professor latent she's Uh. kind of annoying and her assistant, Ernest, oh man, he is so darn boring. In fact, instead of being named Ernest, he should have been named Boris. That's how boring he is. <laughs> so what you're saying is maybe I should skip this one instead of being excited. 
Well, maybe, maybe. I mean, I'm just comparing it to the past Professor Layton games. I'm saying it's far worse than those. Taken on its own, maybe it's okay. But yeah, just, you know, mm-hmm. some of the things are predictable. The mysteries aren't quite as compelling. The puzzles, of course, are still very, very good. And one of the characters is a talking dog, which, of course, is always great. <laughs> but uh, yeah, just to warn you, it is not as good as the previous six Professor Layton games. Still, mm-hmm. despite that, I am happy to see it coming out here. I was kind of thinking that it would not. So I think it's great if that series gets an expanded audience, even if this game is not my favorite one. Yeah, and hopefully, you know, we're to the point where they might start re-releasing some of those older games on Switch, but uh, maybe we'll talk about that a little bit later. Ah, yes, perhaps so. Hmm. Now, moving along to another Switch game that I do not think I will have any complaints about, the folks over at WayForward have announced that Mighty Switch Force Collection is coming out on July 25th. In the interest of full disclosure, I will say that I have done marketing work for WayForward, so I uh, just wanted to get that out there before I start complimenting their game. But I truly do believe that uh, the Mighty Switch Force games are pretty darn excellent. And it is great to see them coming out on Nintendo Switch. I mean, obviously people have been making jokes about that for a long time. Hey, it's Mighty Switch Force. Shouldn't it be on Switch? Well, yes, finally it is coming out on Switch. And it's not just one game, but it's four of them. Excellent. Now, I know they came out on previous Nintendo platforms, but I missed out on those. So what's, what's the gameplay like in these? Well, the cool thing about Mighty Switch Force is that they're platformers with a puzzle element, and that is that you can switch blocks from the foreground to the background to sort of rearrange the level layout while you're doing your jumping and shooting and catching bad guys. And it's just this, you know, cerebral element that's in there. You know, you just you know, move the platforms at the press of a button, and uh, that's how you navigate the stages. And it ends up being, you know, really, really fun. The level designs are really, really cool. And, you know, the first game, you know, it's pretty straightforward. It's blast the bad guys, catch the criminals. But then in the second game, it adds this whole firefighting element where you have a fire hose instead of a regular blaster, and so you're extinguishing fires as well as taking out enemies and uh, saving citizens. And then there is also the Hyperdrive Edition, which is an enhanced version of the original, and that has uh, super hard challenge mode stages as well as HD graphics. And then there is Mighty Switch Force Academy, which is a multiplayer game for up to four players. That's never been released on Nintendo systems before, so Ah. that's going to be really, really great to have. Sounds like an awesome package. Yeah, and it comes out pretty soon, just in about three weeks. It's only going to be 20 bucks. That's a deal for four games, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, right now... 1 and 2 are on Nintendo 3DS, and then Hyperdrive Edition and 2 are on Wii U. But yeah, this is finally going to be an opportunity to own them all in one convenient place, all at one time. So uh, yeah, I'm totally looking forward to that. Fantastic. Yeah, CJ, if you haven't played this before, I certainly recommend you check them out. I have not. I will add this to my wish list immediately. (laughs) Right on. And speaking of new announcements from way forward, just earlier today, as we are recording this, they have revealed... A lot of news on their upcoming River City Girls. This game was announced a couple months back, but they have finally confirmed, well, first of all, what the game is, and that it is indeed coming out on Nintendo Switch. Did you see the trailer for that, CJ? I sure did. How can I miss it? It was all over Twitter. (laughs) It was great. Uh, Oh yeah, it sure is. I really love the anime style visuals in the game and uh, the pixel art. So the trailer... I think uh, Studio Yata did the uh, animation in the trailer. Yes. And 
they are just great and have done a lot of great trailer work, including the Sonic Mania uh, intro. And it looks fantastic. And the side-scrolling beat-em-up action looks awesome as well. Yeah, I mean, as the name implies, it is a follow-up to the NES classic River City Ransom, but it doesn't really look like that. This one is pretty much, you know, 16-bit visual style, not the super deformed 8-bit sprites that are probably most closely associated with the River City series. And then the other big twist is that the heroes of the classic River City games, they have been kidnapped. And so you're playing as the character's girlfriends, Misako and Kyoko. And so you're beating up pretty much everybody in town to try to rescue them. I love that. I love that. But I I, I have to admit, I was not a uh, River City Ransom player. So <laughs> this, this will probably be my first exposure to the game series. Well, you know, I believe it is available with Nintendo Switch Online, is it not? I think it is. I just haven't played it yet. Yeah, so you got time. This <laughs> game comes out in September, so between now and then, you got to get on there, play some Nintendo Switch Online. Uh, maybe we can even find some time to team up and play two-player co-op. Oh, yeah, that's that'd another be big fun. aspect of the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it has this whole RPG aspect to it. I mean, this new one, River City Girls, are actually earning experience and leveling up. But something the original had, and this one does too, is that you're going to shops, and you're buying new gear, and you're buying new books to learn new techniques. And there's also you know, plenty of new moves and new weapons and just uh, all kinds of cool stuff you can do as you're fighting your way through the mean streets of River City. It has been a while since I played a good side-scrolling brawler, so this is <laughs> just what the doctor ordered. Yeah, side-scrolling beat-em-ups are totally my bag, and this one is looking pretty nice. The graphics look great, mm. the soundtrack sounds pretty cool, and uh, yeah, I'm definitely enjoying what I've seen so far. Yeah, me as well. This definitely will be on my purchase list for September. And if you are like me and are into the physical versions, I am glad to know that there is going to be a version coming down the pipeline from Wounded Run Games, so that's cool as well. Awesome. Yep, I would certainly say so. Another interesting title that is on the way is Soul Seraph from the folks over at Sega. Have you been keeping up with this title at all, CJ? I have, only in that it's a completely surprise announcement <laughs> uh, <laughs> being announced like the week after E3, and the release date is very close, coming on uh, the 10th of July. Yes, that is only a week from today as we record this. A week from today, yes. And also, when they announced it, a lot of people immediately saw the trailer and surmised that this is a game heavily inspired by ActRaiser, uh, the classic title. Yes, and I feel exactly the same way, and that's exactly why I'm talking about it now. I mean, the game would have totally flown past me. I would have completely ignored it, except I saw that trailer. I'm like, oh, wow, this really does borrow heavily from ActRaiser. It's got <laughs> side-scrolling hack-and-slash action, as well as this overhead, you know, seemingly, you know, god mode type of gameplay where you're sort of, uh, you know, directing the people, which is exactly what ActRaiser is. I mean, it yep. seems like it is totally borrowing from ActRaiser and wearing it on its sleeve. But, you know, there hasn't been a new ActRaiser game in, like, you know, more than 25 years. So why the heck not? Yeah, I completely agree. If the original... Uh, I don't, is it a Square Enix game at this point, I guess? They haven't done anything with it. Yeah, I mean, Enix published it. 
Quintet was the development group, and I don't know who the rights actually belong to. Oh, or, right. You know, I mean, Quintet is, I'm sure, long defunct, so I don't really know who the rights have stayed with. But yes, if they're not going to do anything with it, sure, why not let someone else make a game that uses that same inspiration? It's been, you know, almost a quarter of a century. So, you know, I don't think they have any reason to complain. Absolutely. And this is from uh, Chilean developer Ace Team, who also did the Rock of Ages games. Mm -hmm. So they've got a good pedigree. Should be good. Yeah, I've never actually played any of those myself. But, you know, I've heard good things about them. And, you know, Sega often publishes very good stuff. And so, you know, it remains to be seen if this game is going to live up to my expectations. I mean, I can't really expect it to be ActRaiser because ActRaiser is like one of my all-time favorite games ever. And I love the crisp action. And I love the music. And to expect it to actually deliver the same exact <laughs> thing as ActRaiser, I think, would be very foolish on my part. But still, just seeing a game that's, you know, cut from the same cloth, taking inspiration from one of the all-time greats would make it definitely in my wheelhouse. I'm looking forward to checking it out and seeing if it's at least, you know, half as good as its inspiration. Well, you don't have to wait long to do that either, so that's good too. No, I don't. No, I don't indeed. On the other hand, I will be waiting a little bit longer for this next title I wanted to bring up, that being Disaster Report 4, Summer Memories. (laughs) That is such a weird subtitle for a disaster earthquake (laughs) game. Yes, it is. But nonetheless, I'm excited. This one is going to be coming to North America, courtesy of NIS America. It's going to be coming out on Switch next year. Yeah, I'm excited about this one. This one is a Switch version of the game that was originally on PS3 and was supposed to be released back in 2011 before the Fukushima disaster and the uh, earthquakes in Japan. And then, uh, of course, the game got canceled at that point. But they revived it, uh, re-released it on some other platforms in Japan, and now it's coming over to the States and on Switch, which is awesome. Yeah, it has a very interesting history, like you were saying. And, you know, in addition to, you know, all of that stuff going on that really, you know, messed with the development, even though we are on Disaster Report 4, most of the games have never come out in North America. There was only one release previously, and that was on PlayStation 2. I think that was the very first Disaster Report game, if I'm not mistaken. I think you're right, and I think I reviewed that one back in the PlayStation 2 days. It was so far back, I was a game journalist at the time. Yeah. Crazy, crazy. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if this game is going to be any good or not, but yeah, basically it is a survival game set in Japan when this big earthquake tears apart a, you know, quote-unquote major metropolitan area. I don't know if it's actually supposed to be Tokyo or not, but, you know, the earth splits open, buildings are collapsing, you know, water is spraying everywhere, there's big fire and explosions, all that jazz. It's basically one of those, uh, you know, disaster movies on TV in interactive form. Yeah, and that's sort of a truly unique setting for a game. Like, there aren't many games that are set as a city is crumbling before you. So definitely eager to play this one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, is it going to be any good? I have no idea. Is it going to be interesting? I would say absolutely. So I am certainly looking forward to learning more about this one before it comes out next year. Same here. All right, then. I think that does it for the news for this episode. Let us uh, take an intermission. And then when we come back, we will discuss this week's big topic, which is the Game Boy remakes we want to see on the Nintendo Switch.
All right, we are back, and we are ready to discuss this week's big topic, which is the Game Boy remakes and other handheld series that we'd like to see come to Nintendo Switch. Obviously, CJ, we've seen a lot of ports from other systems come to Nintendo Switch in the last couple of years, but there are a couple that stand out to me. You know, Game Boy games, ports that we've had of, like, the remake of Pokemon Red and Blue, Mm -hmm. which was reinvented as the Pokemon Let's Go titles. And then we have The Legend of Zelda, Link's Awakening, which comes out this September. Yes. Very excited. Uh, both of those games uh, are awesome to have on Switch. Yeah, Link's Awakening is one that I've always been especially fond of and cannot wait to play more of. But uh, yeah, we were thinking along those lines, what other classic Game Boy games would we like to see released on the system? You know, a lot of these games, you know, that's the only time they were released. They have not been re-released since then except maybe on virtual console and so a lot of them have kind of you know sort of faded away been lost to time and we would like to see that corrected and have those games updated and enhanced on nintendo's latest hardware so with that in mind cj what would you choose to bring from the game boy over to the switch now of course we have not compared our lists beforehand so there may be some overlap here between (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the games that I chose and the games you chose, and maybe this is one of them. I would say Donkey Kong 94. Yes, that is definitely one that would be on my list. And, you know, I think maybe it was sort of low-hanging fruit, kind yep. of obvious to do. And that's just because it is <laughs> one of the absolute best games on the old classic Game Boy. Absolutely. It sort of starts with an original Donkey Kong stage and then takes the gameplay to other areas you know where it's not just uh jumping over barrels Mm -hmm. and it's sort of very puzzle based in its later stages and this was at a time you know when donkey kong country was becoming the dominant series the sort of the dominant series that people thought of when the name donkey kong came around but i really really enjoy the game boy game there was at uh e3 like a home version of that shown at one point uh but nintendo oh yeah i remember that back one. in the late 90s they would show things at e3 and then not release them <laughs> and that happened a few times and a donkey kong 94 remake at one point seemed to be something that was happening and then got pulled which was unfortunate but i would really love to see it uh, come back on switch using a new art style obviously the link's awakening yes, style definitely. is great and sort of timeless in its own way i you look at donkey kong 94 and you wonder like, oh, what could they do to differentiate it from Donkey Kong Country even more? They could use that sort of Miyamoto 80s style character design and make it look uh, more like the arcade Donkey Kong and differentiate it that way. I think that would be truly awesome. Would love to see Nintendo revisit Donkey Kong 94. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. And also, you know, one of the things that was cool about the game is like you were alluding to, initially, it kind of seems like, oh, this is just you know, the stages from the Donkey Kong arcade game. But that's only the very, very beginning of the game. And after that, it totally expands it to something new and different and much more expansive. Yep. So I was thinking, you know, if they are going to port this over to Switch, it would be great to have, like, some bonus new stuff at the end. So sort of like, you know, when you get through those first arcade levels, you're like, oh, here's something cool and new. Once you get to the part that was originally the end of the game, you'd be like, oh, well, guess what? This isn't really the end of the game in this remake. Here we're going to give you something else that's brand new and different that you weren't expecting. And that would just be, you know, the sort of perfect icing on the cake to revive what was already an awesome revival. 
Completely. And since we know that they were working on a home version at one time, maybe they have content that they already have in the back that they could just throw in there. That would be fantastic. Yeah, perhaps so. Perhaps yeah. so. Yeah. Well, one that I would like to see come to the Switch is Wave Race. And maybe that's cheating a bit since <laughs> Wave Race is you know probably better known for its console versions than for the Game Boy game. But, I mean, don't you think it's time to bring it back regardless? I completely agree. Wave Race on the N64, I love that game. I love the GameCube game as well. Like, you know, a lot of people when thinking of Nintendo franchises that have gone dormant will talk about F-Zero a lot, Mm -hmm. but ignore Wave Race. And I completely agree. Wave Race should come back on a handheld. More racing games to be able to play in local multiplayer would just be fantastic. Yeah, and you know that original Wave Race on the Game Boy was not a 3D game. It was all a top-down racing game. And so mm-hmm. if they brought it back and it was going to be you know, sort of a remake of that original game, I would like to have it offer both perspectives. So <laughs> you could play the game from the you know, classic top-down view, but also give it a modern 3D perspective as well. Either way, if Nintendo is not ready to give out a brand all-new Wave Race game, you know, why not just go back to the original, polish it up, pretty it up, make it 2D, make it 3D. Sort of like what uh, Square Enix is doing with Dragon Quest, now that I think about it. Yeah. But yeah, just sort of give it that sort of treatment and uh, you know, bring the series back in that manner. I agree. That would be awesome. And yeah, definitely acknowledge the Game Boy roots. Yeah. I mean, I think it'd be really cool to bring it back and remind people of how that whole series started, for sure. I had forgotten that it was a Game Boy. <laughs> yep. I think a lot of people have, and that's why I think <laughs> yeah. that would be yeah. a key title to... Uh, revive in that fashion i think it'd be great absolutely yeah so what's next for you so i'm gonna go third party okay on this to one of my absolute favorite game boy games of all time i spent so much time playing this game even though i guess it might seem like a very simple game but uh, it is by konami and it is motocross maniacs oh okay one of my favorite little games and it's sort of like Excite Bike in some ways, but the track setups often had you doing loop de loops yeah, and that. sort of crazy jumps and things and doing a lot of flips to get power ups and secret things. And uh, I just spent a whole lot of time on the original Game Boy playing that. And uh, I would love to see that return on the Switch. And, you know, Konami is making a lot of collections of their older mm-hmm. games mm-hmm. and reviving some old series. You know, obviously. They're doing Contra. If they do Castlevania, that'd be interesting. Eventually, maybe they'll get around to Motocross Maniacs. Um, Who knows? Maybe I shouldn't hold my breath for that, <laughs> but I think it would be a really interesting series to revisit and make as a downloadable game or something of that ilk. Yeah, that could definitely be cool. If that was never one I owned myself, but I certainly you know remember it. Like those images of doing those uh, loops really stood out in my mind. I can still you know see yep. it to this day despite never owning the game. So yeah, I think that would be definitely a cool and interesting choice to see come back on Switch. Yeah, I have not played it in a good 15, 20 years, <laughs> <laughs> but I played so much of it back in the day so so much definitely be fun to see absolutely what's your next game there chris i'm going to go with nintendo's kid icarus of myths and monsters aha yes so this is more of a sequel to the nes game though not so much the ds or was that 3ds you're thinking of the 3ds game but yes this was the second kid icarus game and you know it's very much in the same vein of something like 
Metroid 2, and to a lesser extent, Link's Awakening, but it really feels like kind of a lost entry in the series. I mean, everybody seems to know that there was an original Kid Icarus. It came back as a 3D Classics game, and it's been released on Virtual Console and the NES yep. Classic and, you know, things of that nature. But, yeah, the second one of Myths and Monsters, I mean, in some ways, it's probably arguably even better than the original, sort of a more polished version of the idea, but there really aren't very many ways to play that. Yes, it did come out on 3DS Virtual Console, but other than that, it's just, you know, kind of poof, it's not there. Most people hardly would even know it existed. They would just think, oh, yes, there was the original on NES, and then there was Uprising on 3DS, and could probably easily forget there was anything in the middle. Right. And I mean, to be honest, I don't remember much about the game either myself, but yeah, I would love to see it come back with an all-new coat of paint and maybe some more user-friendly modern features. And, uh, you know, actually, now that I think about it, the original Kid Icarus could use, you know, some nice modern features too so to be honest absolutely i would love to see it be like you know a dual pack that had the original kid icarus and of myths and monsters both combined getting some sort of you know facelift remake version for switch that would be absolutely awesome yeah i always was perplexed by kid icarus because it was a game a lot of people talked about back in the day Mm -hmm. and whenever i played it or rented it i always thought this, this game's too hard for me. <laughs> it's very hard, yes. <laughs> so I don't know if the Game Boy version is easier than the NES game, but it'd be interesting to revisit that for sure. I think it's a little easier, but don't hold me to that. Okay. <laughs> All right, what's next for you? All right, so this is a game that I always bring up when I've been talking about Game Boy, but it's one of my favorite games. Is it Mole Mania? It is Mole Mania. <laughs> I got it. Got in one. <laughs> I think I've talked about it on Power Pros before. Yes, I think so. And I think the last time you talked about it, I had never played that game. And so after we talked about it, I went out and I, well, I was going to download on Virtual Console. But I discovered I did already own it on Virtual Console. I just never played it. Anyway, I played it. I corrected (laughs) that. So uh, you have done your duty, sir. But anyway, please continue. Excellent. Yeah, it's a fun, unique game that Miyamoto designed for the Game Boy back. It came out originally in 1997, and not a whole lot of people bought it. Wow, 97, huh? Was it that late? Uh, I bought it on the day that I bought the Game Boy Pocket, the Play It Loud series that you could see through. I bought that and Mole Mania on the same day and uh, remember going to Subway afterwards and playing Mole Mania at Subway. Uh-huh. <laughs> this is a memory that sticks out in my mind. But so. the game itself is you play a mole and your family has been kidnapped by a, an evil farmer and the game itself plays out sort of a top-down perspective, but you as a mole can also dig underneath the ground and get a sort of ground-up perspective on right. things. So there are some light puzzles to solve there, and it's just a really fun, unique game that I think most people have forgotten about. But uh, I always thought the mechanic was really fun and character design's really fun, so I would uh, enjoy seeing Nintendo revisit it. Yeah, it certainly seemed fun from what I played. And, uh, you know, given the kind of game it is, you know, I could see it having a aesthetic very, very similar to what they did with Link's Awakening. I think something like that yep. would work quite well. Quite well, I would say. Yeah, either like a Link's Awakening style toy thing or even like a Yoshi's Island sort of more sketch-based style would be good. Maybe. Because it's you know overhead, it really seems like it sort of should be you know pseudo 3D. So something yeah, like a yeah. claymation aesthetic I think would really be beneficial to that title. That would be cool for sure. And I know Nintendo loves to play with art styles with, you know, Yarn Yoshi yeah, and yeah. Kirby's Epic Yarn and 
Link's Awakening. So yeah, I'd be curious to see what they would do with this one. Yes, indeed. What's the next one on your list? Oh, well, I guess I'll just go for the lowest of low-hanging fruit <laughs> and say do you know, the Super Mario Land series. Ah, uh, yes, yes. I mean, these are games that have really never been re-released outside of their original black and white forms. And I just think it would be really great to be able to play them with uh, modern visuals and updated gameplay. Heck, you know, even actually playing these games in color, you know? <laughs> kind of crazy, huh? Yeah. I mean, especially the original, which, you know, even when it came out back in, you know, 1989, 30 years ago almost, you know, it was pretty mm. archaic, and it felt like it could have used some polish. But, you know, despite that, it did have some really cool ideas, like being able to control an airplane or a submarine and it had, you know, very different types of bosses. It was the game that introduced Daisy. And, you know, I think they could play that up with, you know, some modern cinematics and stuff. So yeah, I think there is a lot of things they could do to, you know, update that game for a modern audience. Yeah. I have a lot of great nostalgia for the Super Mario Land series, especially the first game, even though the first game isn't very long. No, it It doesn't have a lot of stages. Quite short. Yeah, that's why I was thinking, oh, you know, a bundle with Super Mario Land 2 would probably make the most sense unless they just did as like a $10 download or something like that. Yeah. But yeah, I think putting those two together or separate, either way, I think would be really, really great. And uh, they would both benefit from a modern visual makeover and updated features. Completely. I mean, I suppose you, know, you could throw uh, Super Mario Land 3, Wario Land in there as well, but then I just think I'm being greedy. <laughs> well, that's how Wario rolls, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. I actually was going to say Wario Land. <laughs> you know, Wario has been used in other ways since Super Mario Land, but yep. I really enjoyed those first few Wario Land titles. Wario Land 2 was one of the first Game Boy Color games that I bought. I, th- I believe it's a launch game. Yeah, I think that's right. And had a lot of fun with that. So it'd be fun to revisit those as well. The whole portable Super Mario Brothers family, I, I feel, has been neglected. Yes, yes. A lot of ways. The most egregious of which, by the way, would actually be the virtual boy version of Wario Land, which, you know, I think it's a crime that was never re-released on 3DS or something. But uh, yeah, I mean, because of just the way that system sold, obviously it never got out to a very wide audience. So I'd love to see that one make a comeback, you know, more than anything. But I guess we're getting away from yeah. the uh, Game Boy topic at hand, aren't we? <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah, sorry about that. So my next pick is kind of a weird one. And I wouldn't be surprised, CJ, if you don't even know what this game is. Are you familiar with The Frog for Whom the Bell Tolls? No, I am not. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, there's a very good reason for that, and that's because it was never released in North America. Hmm. Now, it has put in some appearances over here. One of the characters from that game, Prince Richard, is actually in The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening. He's the character who's lost his leaves. You may recall his uh, shack is full of frogs for some reason. Well, it's because he's from this game called The Frog for Whom the Bell Tolls. The main character from the game was also an assist trophy in the Smash Brothers series. Hmm. So despite the original game never coming out here, you know, he's got, you know, a little bit of attention. But yeah, it's this uh, RPG that has both top-down and side-view perspectives. It has a top-down overworld and then these side-view dungeons. So it's a little bit like Zelda 2 in that regard, hmm. but there's no sword play. When you run into an enemy, you just uh, sort of automatically fight out based on your stats. Okay. But yeah, you play as this prince 
who gets turned into a frog and then also can turn into a snake. And so he uses his frog form and snake form and human form to solve these puzzles and uh, you know ultimately save the kingdom. But it has never been released here in North America. And since they're probably never going to release its original <laughs> Game Boy form, it seems like a great one to update and improve the visuals. And, you know, there's so many styles they could do with that yeah. one. They could do it, you know, hand-drawn, uh, cell-shaded. They could do something, you know, very, very stylized. But, yeah, almost anything they did, you know, it could be photorealistic for that matter, I think would just be a great way to bring this game to a new audience. Yeah, I am not familiar with the original game, but I like the idea of Nintendo mining their back catalog even if it's you know a download only remake of a classic game like this, I'm all for it. Yeah, it's something that American audience has been missing out on for more than 20 years, and I would love to see that corrected. Yeah, and you know, no better system to do that on than Switch. Especially if there's a connection to Link's Awakening, like you mentioned. Yeah, there is. I'm very interested to see if that part remains the same for the Link's Awakening remake. Very curious indeed. Hmm. I mean, I assume it will. I think all the Mario stuff is staying in there as far as I know. But since that's a much more obscure reference, you know, it's possible it could be updated in some way. I don't know. We'll find out. Uh, So, anything else for you? Well, I would wrap up talking a little bit more about Nintendo history here and saying Game & Watch Gallery. Ah, okay. So there were quite a few titles released for both the Game Boy Color and Game Boy Advance Mm -hmm. that starred remakes and also sort of original modes of Nintendo's Game & Watch games. Yeah, yeah. And as a fan, especially of the Game & Watch version of Donkey Kong, I was uh, pretty big into those back during the Game Boy days and would love to see them revisited, especially uh, with new art styles. They did sort of attempt to update them with some color graphics and the Game Boy Advance uh, version, you know, looks pretty good. But with Nintendo doing some very experimental stuff with art styles, I would love to see what they could do with some of these Game & Watch games. Yeah, yeah. For some reason, in my head, I see them taking, you know, these black and white LCD screens and like, you know, remaking them as some sort of like, you know, neon light bulb tube sort of aesthetic thing that would be like, you know, really trippy and crazy and cool. Yeah, I think it'd be a lot of fun to have like online leaderboards or friend leaderboards yep, uh, with some of these sort of smaller Nintendo games. Mm-hmm. But I spent hours playing Game & Watch Donkey Kong and all of the remakes with that were in the various Game & Watch gallery packages. So I'd love to see them revisited for a new generation all right, I think that is a fine choice. Yes. Now, before we wrap up this big topic, though, I just wanted to ask, you know, going a little bit broader, are there any other just, you know, typically handheld series, not necessarily Game Boy games, per se, that you would like to see come to Switch? That's something that one of the Nintendo execs was even talking about on a recent financial call. He was saying that, oh, we're going to take a lot of our, you know, traditionally handheld series that, you know, have maybe been on, you know, GBA or DS or 3DS in the past, and we will, you know, start putting those on Switch. And we have seen a lot of that already, aside from the stuff we already Mm -hmm. talked about. I mean, you know, the Fire Emblem series has been primarily handheld in recent years, talking about, you know, third-party stuff, you know, series like Ace Attorney that have typically been handhelds are now on Switch. Uh, The Layton series, as we talked about earlier, is gone onto Switch. So we are seeing a lot of this stuff already, but, you know, is there uh, any other series you would like to see in particular make that jump? 
definitely WarioWare. Haha. <laughs> yes, you are man after my own heart. That was the first one I thought of as well. <laughs> Man, I love those titles so much, and having them on the go is just great, or being able to play them at home. You know, there was that game for the Wii U Yeah, that came there was out. a Game & Wario. Was, that was a thing. Game & Wario. But there was yeah. a Wii version of WarioWare. Oh, right. Yeah, Smooth Moves. And so they've proven that, yes, it can be done. Yep. But yeah, it has been traditionally handheld-focused, and I do think there is room for that on Switch. I think that is a perfect choice. And basically, it's just been way too long since we got a brand new original WarioWare game. I mean, that one we got on 3DS yep. was fantastic. It was pretty much treading, you know, previously experienced ground. But, yep. you know, with the Switch and all the things it can do, the possibilities seem kind of endless. And I'm sure there are so many cool ideas they could come up with. Yeah, I think that'd be interesting. Maybe that's where sort of the one-two Switch ideas might go yeah, yeah. in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm still yeah. waiting for someone to blow my mind with more HD Rumble stuff. It could be Wario. It could be. Or they could even, you know, since Nintendo just released Mario Maker, uh, they could put out another WarioWare DIY game on the Switch. That'd be interesting, oh, yeah. too. Yeah, that'd be cool as well. I mean, I think I'm probably up to maximum <laughs> capacity as far as, you know, creating my own games go at this point. Right. But, um, yeah, that would still be cool nonetheless. Yep. Well, another one that I would love to see happen on Switch is Golden Sun. That is another one that we haven't seen a new installment in pretty much forever. Yeah. And mm. it is absolutely time to continue that series on Switch. Yeah, that's sort of a forgotten RPG series. It is indeed. I don't. It never left the Game Boy Advance, did it? There was a DS installment, and it was not particularly well received. And oh, I guess okay. that sort of did it in. They decided, oh, that's it. People don't like it anymore. Stick a knife <laughs> in it. Stick a fork in it. Stick a spoon in it. Stick all the silverware in it. It's done. <laughs> <laughs> yep but i feel like that was probably a fluke and if they made a you know nicer newer more polished version of uh that series and put it on switch uh, i think it would do really really well for them and i think you know fans of that series have not forgotten they would eat it up as long as it is well made title yeah it's funny as we're talking and you're bringing up golden sun and talking about wave race and all of these uh, sort of forgotten nintendo ips it's kind of surprising just how many of those there are that could be revived on the Switch. Uh-huh. But I totally uh-huh. agree with you. Golden Sun is one of those games that uh, it helped launch the Game Boy Advance. Yeah, that's and right. It was sort of a big thing in the early 2000s, and uh, we haven't mm-hmm. heard from it in a long time. It would be a nice uh, sort of surprise for Nintendo fans of old. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So what's next for you? You know, I'm kind of going off of the Box Boy, Box Girl collection that came off uh, recently, and mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to say Pushmo and its sequels that uh, that came out on ah, yes, yes. the 3DS and Wii U. Uh, yeah, yeah, a lot of people like those games. Oh, Pushmo is one of my absolute favorite games. I had so much fun with that game, and of course, that relied a lot on the 3D mechanics. You played a character that sort of That's pulled true. things out from the background and pushed things in. So maybe it would lose something not being in 3D. Perhaps a little. But I did find the puzzle solving and puzzle platforming in that series to be really, really fun. And it'd uh, it'd be fun to revisit that game again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that one never really got to me like it did to a lot of people. But I know that a lot of people love it. And so I think that is a great idea. For me, though, the other one that comes to mind is another you know sort of lost IP and I think a really obvious one for a lot of people, but obviously in the same vein as Golden Sun, Advance Wars is another one that just oh. you know they why has yeah. it not been brought back? 
Everybody seems to be really up for it. You know, Wargroove proved that people really, really want to see a game like this. Yep. Uh, why has it not happened yet? I don't know. I think there's certainly room for more than one marquee strategy series on Switch, aside from just Fire Emblem. So, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. just seems like one of those ones. If Nintendo wants to bring, you know, former handheld series on the Switch, that seems like one they should definitely get in line with. I mean, obviously it was on console to begin with. It was, you know, Famicom Wars way, way sure. back when it started. But uh, yeah, it went into handheld, then it went into uh, hibernation. So yeah, bring it back, Nintendo, please. <laughs> I totally agree. And I mean, they could do something like remake the Game Boy Advance game, which I know a lot of my coworkers and friends spent a lot of time playing. Yeah, and yeah. that one had multiplayer where you could uh, sort of pass and play on one system. I think that would work uh, really nice with the Switch or, or do sort of a local co-op or even online uh, multiplayer. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, you got anything else? I mean, I, I, my, my policy is I want everything on Switch. Right? <laughs> So I would I would accept anything, uh, but there are some smaller games like Harmonite that I think could be fun to have yeah, on Switch. Yeah. Rhythm Heaven obviously is a series that uh, I think Nintendo could bring out on Switch pretty easily, and it's mm-hmm, a, mm-hmm. just a great portable game as well. And Ultimate NES Remix. So NES Remix oh, is yeah. a game that sort of started on Wii U, and they did uh, two installments of that, yeah. I think. And then they released it on 3DS as sort of an ultimate NES remix package that had things from both installments. But I think a lot of people missed out on NES remix because they didn't have a Wii U or didn't buy the 3DS game. And that had some really interesting ideas and sort of a very short session nostalgia, really, like (laughs) drop you into these classic games to do particular challenges. And then uh, they had a nice remix mode, which added some more challenges to some of the classic games that uh, we remember from way back in the day. So I'd like to see what they would do with that on the Switch. Mm-hmm. I know, like, once NES Remix came out, a lot of people were like, well, what about SNES Remix? Yeah, that's or... the first thing that came to mind for me. I was like, yeah, I'm ready just to go with uh, Super NES Remix if they're going to you know, bring out a new one of those. That's what I'd be all over. Yeah, and, I mean, that would be awesome, too. I'd love to see that. But uh, I, I really enjoyed NES Remix, and uh, it's sort of bite-sized retro challenges. So love to see something like that happen again. Yep. I think that's an excellent pick as well. Yeah. And I kind of feel like uh, with that one said, we've kind of covered uh, pretty much all of our bases, wouldn't you say? I agree. Okay, well, in that case, I believe it's time for us to wrap up this week's big topic and bring this episode of the podcast to a close. To a close, but don't we have time for one more thing? You know, I think we do. And as you might have guessed, CJ, that is a dramatic reading. And this time... That comes from the Nintendo eShop description of the Switch game, Bus Fix 2019. Have you ever wondered what it's like to be a mechanic? What if you could repair buses? (laughs) Accept the Repair Buses Oradors. Diagnose, replace, or fix damaged part of buses. Disassemble, for example, engine parts, chassis parts, tires. Buy new parts. In a game, you will find six different buses. More than 50 parts that you can replace by yourself. Different defects to remove. 
an unlimited number of orders for execution. Richly equipped workshop. Wait, is that it? That's it. <laughs> That's all we got. Aren't you intrigued? But, Isn't your interest peaked? Don't you want to be like, boy, if only I could play this game and live out my <laughs> life's fantasy of repairing buses. Yeah, not only my dream of being a mechanic, but a bus mechanic specifically. <laughs> specifically a bus mechanic. And <laughs> maybe you get to execute people as well. I'm not really sure what this thing is about the unlimited orders for execution is all about. That's kind of worrisome. <laughs> That's a mini game. <laughs> I guess so. Maybe you get to run them over with the bus. <laughs> That's right. I do not know. I haven't played it. No promises, anybody. If you don't get to run over people with your bus, don't blame me. Yeah. Anyway, that does it for this week. As always, you can find us at powerpros.podbean.com, and you can follow us at powerprospod on both Facebook and Twitter. You can follow me, The Hoff, on Twitter at ChrisTheHoff, and you can find CJ at SuperPack. You can email us at powerprospod at gmail.com, and if you like the podcast, it would be great if you told your friends about us. Thanks for listening, everybody. For myself, Chris Johnston. Keep playing it loud. And our furry friend, Crystal. You're not ready yet. We will see you next time.